Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the go on this first Sunday of Lent, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you with us this morning. And we're going to be looking at the traditional um, uh, text that we look at on the first Sunday of Lent, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, in the desert, uh, as it's told in the Gospel of Matthew. But before we get to that, I want you to prepare your hearts and minds for the word that is intended for you this day as we listen to the anthem, Jesus Walked This Lonesome Valley. Jesus walked this lonesome valley, he had to walk it by himself, oh nobody else could walk it for him, he had to So as I said, we're looking at the traditional uh, text for the first Sunday of Lent, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. 
And we're going to look in the Gospel of Matthew. And and right before we get to the wilderness, uh, Jesus, at age 30, has made his way to his cousin, John the Baptist, down at the banks of the Jordan River, and he's been baptized. And in a moment, he hears a voice. It says in verse 17 in chapter 3 of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and a voice from heaven said, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. So there's that affirmation, and then we get to the story of the temptation. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. Now the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, saying, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil uh, took Jesus to the holy city, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. So the story of Jesus's temptation is expressive of uh, the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the wilderness of Sinai uh, being formed as a people. So Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness is uh, symbolic of the Israelites' journey for 40 years in the wilderness. And um, at the beginning of that, when the Israelites had uh, escaped slavery in Egypt, we read this in the 13th chapter of the book of Exodus. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way, by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I, I'm, I'm curious if you've ever had the experience of really wanting something. You set a goal for yourself and you poured all of yourself into achieving that goal. Uh, you, you dearly wanted to get somewhere or do something or become someone or, or maybe just be with someone. In fact, you had your heart set so set on that which you desired for yourself, you even sprinkled in a little prayer for good measure. Or, you know, maybe your heart's desire was for someone else for your children or grandchildren, for a friend. You so badly wanted for them what they'd been working so hard to attain themselves. Have you ever had that kind of longing? The desire was so clear in your mind that you were able to actually plot an exact course from where you were to where you wanted to be. Have you ever had a desire like that only to find out that things didn't work out exactly as you'd planned? Your personal itinerary got upended. Your self-imposed timeline was delayed. Your course was derailed and you found yourself on a frustrating detour that you just, you doubted, doubted if it was ever going to work in your favor. You know, if we've had any experiences like that or multiple experiences, we should probably take some time to consider the roundabout ways of our God, the roundabout ways of our God. Now, today, as I've said a couple times, this is first Sunday in Lent. A Lent is a seasonal observance adopted by the church in the third century AD. It's a time of preparation for Easter. 
You see, the um, Easter promise of resurrection and eternal life is so huge. It's such a big promise. You need time. You need time to prepare to receive it anew. So, so Lent is a 40-day season of prayer and fasting that allows us to be reshaped and reformed, perhaps even repaired so that we're ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And in keeping with the Lenten tradition, I, I want to suggest that you do give some things up this season, as well as take something on. So as I've said, the 40 days of Lent is intended as a symbolic reminder or a symbolic experience of the 40 days uh, Jesus spent in the wilderness where Jesus was tempted by the devil before beginning his Galilean ministry. Uh, and Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness was supposed to be symbolic of the 40 years the Israelites spent in the wilderness from the time they escaped slavery in e Egypt until they entered the promised land of Canaan. Now, if you were to walk from Cairo to Jerusalem, depending on how fast you walked, how many times you stopped, you'd arrive somewhere between 12 and 18 days. See, it's, it's, it's not all that far. It's a little over 300 miles. But it took the Israelites 40 years to make that trip. I heard someone joke recently that it took the Hebrews 40 years to find the only place in the Middle East without any oil. The great question is why? Why did it take the Hebrew people so long uh, to make such a short trip? The destination was clear. It was almost within sight. So why the exceedingly long detour? Now, Part of the answer comes in the text that I read you right after the Israelites escaped captivity. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was nearer. It says, God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. You know, this happens all the time in the Bible. It's a major theme. God does not allow people of faith to go somewhere that they're not ready to be. You know, God actively changes the course of people of faith to keep them out of trouble uh, they're not prepared to deal with quite yet. God often prevents God's own people from taking the most direct route to their destination if that route would wind up doing more harm than good. And, and further, our God is a God who uses delay and detour and redirection as an opportunity to form us or reform us into the people God wants us to be so we can engage in the work God wants us to do. Now, you might think that a detour that takes 40 years when a trip should have taken two weeks is just a colossal waste of time. But you've got to remember, the Hebrews had been slaves for 430 years. And, and it was going to take time for God to reshape and reform those 600,000 slaves into a chosen and free people who would be evidence of God's power and provision throughout the world. And the truth is, 40 years, not a lot of time, not particularly long time to form an entire people. I mean, uh, think of how many of us were not fully formed when we were age 40. So detour and delay and redirection are not inconvenience. No, they, they provide the time, the protection, the preparation we need to be formed into the image God desires to shape us into. So I think... That is at the heart of Jesus' venture into the wilderness. As I said, Jesus was baptized by John at the Jordan River. And, and from that spot on the Jordan River, it would have been a two-day walk to the shores of the Sea of Galilee where he would begin his ministry. And it was only a day's walk to Jerusalem where his earthly ministry would end. So, so he was so close to the places that would become most important to him. But for some reason, it says, then Jesus was led much like the Israelites were led. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
See, before Jesus could be Jesus, he had to spend some time out of the way in a place of desolation and temptation. And I, I've got to tell you, I'm, I've been to the Mount of Temptation outside the city of Jericho. Desolation, desolation does not fully describe the detour God led Jesus into. But I've come to believe this roundabout route into ministry was essential for the reforming of Jesus. See, there's uh, some really credible scholarship that suggests that due to the questionable nature of Jesus's birth, that Joseph was not Jesus's biological father, that Jesus might have been ostracized by his community in Nazareth. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's actually a law prohibiting illegitimate children from entering the local synagogue. So maybe Jesus wasn't allowed in the synagogue in Nazareth. You know, at bare minimum in a small town like Nazareth that might have only had 40 families in it in Jesus's time, where everybody would have known everyone else's business, I think it's unlikely Jesus would have escaped the ridicule that is often heaped on children who are deemed as different. See, I suspect, I suspect Jesus's childhood experience significantly influenced his adult ministry. Jesus was a fierce, you know this, fierce advocate for the marginalized. Why? Well, you know, I believe that's because he knew what it was like to be left out. He knew what it was like to be excluded. He, he, he probably knew what, what it was like to be made fun of at best and tormented at worst. Now, can you imagine after hearing for 30 years, Joseph ain't your real dad, what it would have meant to Jesus to hear God claim him as his own? where God says, you are my son. Now, I don't know who, you know, it doesn't matter who your dad is. God says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now, I've thought about it, and maybe this makes sense to you too, but I don't think you can go from 30 years of marginalization to a pronouncement of belovedness and then right into ministry. I, I don't think it's a straight shot from marginalization to ministry. No, there, there needs to be some time to process. There needs to be some time for formation or, or for reformation. There needs to be some time away to reflect on what has been and what is and what's to come. And, and I suspect that's why Jesus's detour into the desert was so essential. And did you notice the challenges, the temptations presented to Jesus? They were all about identity, right? I mean, the devil continued to challenge Jesus's legitimacy. The devil said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be loaves of bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. So essentially saying, if you are who you say you are, if, or if you are who God proclaims you to be, prove yourself, right? Prove yourself. That's, that's the temptation here, to prove yourself. Have you ever had your identity challenged? Have you ever been plagued by a need to prove yourself, to prove yourself to others, to prove yourself perhaps to yourself? I mean, a person can spend years, waste years trying to prove themselves. Now, thankfully for Jesus and for those of us that follow him, it only took Jesus 40 days to decide he didn't need to prove himself. He just needed to be himself. Jesus just needed to be the beloved son of God. I mean, that's what a detour can do for you. It can change your course and allow God time to work with you and work on you to shape or reshape you so that you're prepared for the work that is to come. Now, truthfully, when we know where we want to be or where we want to uh, do or what we want to do, we don't like being delayed. Now, you want to see us get unraveled or irate, just frustrate our plans, adjust our agenda, interrupt our itinerancy or our itinerary. Nothing undoes people like us more than interruption. 
But here's the thing. If we're people of faith who desire to follow God's lead and follow in the footsteps of Jesus, if that's something that's of interest to us, then we need to understand that God often, often leads us by the roundabout way, and for good reason. God leads us by the roundabout way when we're headed in the wrong direction. God says, nope, not going that way. Or like the Israelites, God leads us by the roundabout way for our own protection. Or God leads us by the roundabout way like Jesus for our preparation. In fact, God may lead us by the roundabout way so that we can be a blessing or be blessed by people we would never encounter if not for a delay or a detour. Because that's how God works. God does not rush. God is patient. God will take the time needed to prepare good people for good work. So this land I want us to consider that God often takes us on a roundabout way for our own good and for the good of those we meet along the way. And I want to suggest that for the next 40 days, you embrace your roundabout God, which means you take on, you take on delays, you welcome detours, greet every interruption as part of God's preparatory plan for you. Now, if you're willing to take on this idea that God is a God who uses roundabout ways for good, then you also need to consider giving up some things for Lent this year. For the next 40 days, when you find yourself on a roundabout journey, try giving up frustration or attempt to give up your desire to complain or your desire to control. In fact, dare to give up your desired destination altogether. What you will receive is God's protection, God's provision, God's preparation for that which is to come. Now, just a quick final example for Black History Month and President's Day week. Um, our son, Sam, uh, wants to be, and many of you know this, wants to be a Navy SEAL. Uh, there was a direct route that he badly wanted to take, or a route that everyone, including him, knew was he was not entirely ready for. So Sam's kind of taken the circuitous route, the roundabout way, which he's still on, a route, honestly, he's not particularly liked or appreciated, it, until until those unexpected and unwanted detours put him in an officer training class next to Taylor Rents last summer, the woman he would fall in love with and marry three months later. Uh, this uh, union was an answer to prayer and a roundabout blessing for all of us. Now, they said their vows in the Metropolitan AME Church in Washington, D.C., on the very spot, over the very spot where Frederick Douglass' body lay during his funeral in 1895. Frederick Douglass. You know, the, the great preacher and abolitionist, he knew a thing or two about the roundaway, about ways of God. And Douglas believed in those ways so much that he was unbowed and his spirit was unbroken when the Supreme Court decided the Dred Scott case in 1857. You may remember that Dred Scott was a slave who was purchased and moved to the free state of Illinois. And he, he so, sued for his freedom and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. And, and at the time, the abolitionists believed if a decision was in their favor, it would hasten the end to slavery. Slaveholding states, slaveholders themselves, believed that a decision in their favor would end the anti-slavery movement. Now, when the decision was rendered, seven to two, that our Constitution did not provide for the freedom of African slaves, the then Chief Justice Robert Taney stated that he believed the decision would settle the issue of slavery and congressional authority once and for all. The institution of slavery from that moment on was enshrined, was to be enshrined in our nation for all time. But you know, Frederick Douglass, 
encouraged his disheartened abolitionist, believing that the decision was only a detour, a roundabout way to freedom. In fact, after the decision, Douglas preached saying these words. He said, this very attempt, this very attempt to blot out forever the hopes of an enslaved people may be the one necessary link in the chain of events to prepare for the complete overthrow of the whole slave system. See, that's what belief in our roundabout God sounds like. And it's, it's proved true. It proved true six years later when President Lincoln, whose birthday we celebrated this past week, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. You see, sometimes what looks to us like a setback, what appears to be an inconvenient detour, what we are convinced is a path leading in the wrong direction is actually the leading of our God who often chooses to take us where God wants us to go by a roundabout way, a way leading to our protection, a way leading to our preparation a way that allows us to bless and be blessed by people and circumstances we would never otherwise encounter. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, help us to realize that uh, you're not in the business of getting us directly from point A to B. In fact, you might take us a circuitous route so that we might experience things, though, that we might grow, so that we might encounter people we need to become the people you want us to be. So allow us to take on this Lenten season, this idea that you might lead us by the roundabout way for our own good, and in the process, give up frustration, give up uh, control, give up our plans to take on that which you would have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, we are now launched into Lent. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.